Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good start to the day. Uh, I don't know about you, but these mornings are getting a little bit cooler. I mean, just a little bit cooler. There's a little breeze, so there's some relief on the way. Um, But I am excited to be with you uh, this morning as we continue in the Chosen series. And honestly, today, the episode that we're going to watch is one of my favorite episodes. And so uh, all of our small groups are actually going through this series as well. And there'll be a clip actually uh, this week that you won't see today. That It's going to be a special one. It's actually one of my favorite scenes um, in the Chosen series. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I've been interrogated a few times. Like, I don't know about you, but have you, anyone in here been interrogated? Okay, good. So um, you all think like, what is our pastor into? No, I've been, in, if you have children, you get interrogated every day of your life, right? Like there are a million questions that come out of kids. And for you teachers, uh, God bless you. May the Lord uh, grant you peace and patience, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but kids, especially young kids, ask a million questions. And there's one question that really young kids are really good at asking. It's just one word. Why? Why, 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 why? And it just keeps going and keeps going. And even this past week or two weeks ago, Kelsey and I, I went with Kelsey to go get our girls from school. We have three girls and a boy. And um, I don't know about you, but like life is peaceful in the car before they get into the car. But then as soon as they enter, it's like, like it is like chatter city. I mean, it is like going nuts in there. And I love it. But I looked at Kelsey and I was like, what? happen in this car, right? And there's questions and there's all kinds of things. And even Kelsey the other day was like, it was like 400 questions that she was asked the other day. But honestly, that's one of the best things about kids. Even though they're interrogating you, like that is one of the best things about kids. And we all know like there's a huge difference between boys and girls when it comes to this, right? Because parents, like, you know, like when the boy gets in the car, like me and my brother, like they would ask like, how was your day? And we had one answer. Fine. It was fine. What'd you do? It was fine. Did you learn anything? It was fine. I don't know. Just like, I'm done. I'm, t- I'm tired of talking, mom. I just need to be let alone. But my sisters, on the other hand, they would talk, 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 tons of questions and all of these things. And I think that's what we're going to see today, that one of the best things about young kids, um, and especially the, the girls, is you ask a lot of questions. They ask questions because Not because they're nosy, because they're actually seeking the truth. Kids are wanting to figure out what's actually going on. And I think for so many of us, we've kind of lost this aspect of our life. Like we're not good at asking questions anymore. But for kids, there's this genuineness to kids in the way that they ask questions. There's a genuineness to what they're saying and why they're saying it, because they're just seeking the truth. And so I just have a question for you today. Are, are you still seeking? Like, are you still trying to find the truth in this life? Are you still trying to, to do this? Or somewhere along the way, did you stop? Did you stop seeking? Like, as adults, we kind of can become hardened to questions, or we believe this, like, kind of falsehood that we know everything. Right? We, we stop being inquisitive. 
And I don't know about you, but that's the, one of the only ways that I know to grow our relationship with God is through asking questions and seeking the Lord. And so today, we're going to be uh, in this episode, the third episode of the first season, and it, this episode really focuses in on kids. And I think that you're going to be really encouraged by what these kids uh, have, to, have to say and have to ask. It's, it's hilarious, actually. And it's really encouraging to see Jesus in his humanity aspect meeting and talking with these kids. But I entitled today's message, Seek and You Will Find. And so a just simple question is, is where are you right now? Are you, are you seeking the Lord? Are you seeking to find something? Are you seeking after him? And so let's enjoy this first clip. I think you're going to love it. I've never seen before. I don't know what it's for. I think he was building stuff. I don't know. And there was some food too, but even though I was hungry, I didn't take any because that would be wrong. But maybe we could take a little bit this time. What do you think? But I'm glad I didn't. Because that's when the man got there. Come on, go faster. I'm trying, Abby, but your legs are going too fast. If he comes this time, should we say something to him? I think if you're with me, it's okay. I didn't see a sword or anything like that, so I don't think he'll kill us, and he seemed nice. Do you have a sword, just in case? Oh, we're almost there, here it is. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives forth bread from this earth. And I pray that if there are ever two children who come visit my home here, that you will give them the courage Stay. to say shalom, so that they will know they do not have to remain in hiding. He's a good man. Stay. Amen. Stay. We are going to stay. <laughs> What's that sound I hear? Sheep don't sound like that. <laughs> no, that's definitely not sheep. Maybe a rooster? Greetings, children. You know, it is not safe for a child to wander from their home. You never know if there are bad men around. You are wise to bring your friend this time. Joshua. Shalom, Joshua. I admire your bravery to come here. You are a good friend. Oh, well, don't worry. I'm not a bad man. See, I know it. You are free to stay for a bit, but I'm afraid I have some work to do. Okay. And thank you for not taking any food yesterday. So, what are you doing here? I'm visiting for a time. Where are you from? Nazareth. What is that wood for? I'm building something. Are you a carpenter? Sometimes, but I'm a craftsman. I build all kinds of things. So, why don't you live in the house? I travel a lot. How do you make money? Happy. I'm just asking him how he makes money. I know, you shouldn't. It's okay. I don't make money when I travel. So for now, I build things and trade them for my food and clothing. What is that? Ah, this is going to be a lock and key. Joshua, ask him questions. He's nice. No, thank you. What else will you build? Wealthy people love decorations and toys for their children. My family isn't wealthy. Many times that's better. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> you will. My mom made me this. Oh, what's her name? Sarah. Very pretty. Okay, time to go home. Bye. Don't we all need an Abigail in our life? I mean, she is like she had so many questions for that little boy Joshua that he didn't even have time to answer. Like, and one of the questions she asked him is, "Do you have a sword?" And he's like, "I'm like, what do you do? I have a sword? What do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, I think he's a nice guy." Anyway, we're here now, right? But there's this reality of she's a go-getter, isn't she? She's a leader. She's asking questions. Let me just tell you something: great leaders ask questions. That, that's the only way to move forward in this life. If you're not willing to ask questions, what you're telling me is you want to stay planted right where you are. But did you notice all of the questions that Abigail had? And did you notice that Jesus did not get frustrated with her whatsoever? I think, in fact, he was encouraged by her questions. He was encouraged by this idea that, that she would ask all of these things. And if you notice, she's really probing to find out who he is. How do you make money? Why are you here? What's going on? What's that in your hand? You know, what, what's going on? And I, and I just think it's so encouraging to see that Jesus really has a lot of patience for kids. He really does. And I think sometimes we forget that we're his kids, that we're his children. Some of you are like, I'm not a kid. Yeah, but that's okay to be a kid sometimes. It's okay to see those things, and it's okay to walk that way. Like, don't, don't get too big in your life to ask questions. And so here's the first point of this morning. you got to find your inner kid. I mean, that's the reality because we get into this portion of Scripture that we're going to see today, and what's being illustrated is the importance of being childlike. Right? Jesus emphasizes this in part of the scriptures. Right, If you go with me to Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 3, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. We have free gifts in the back for you. But if not, you can follow right along on the screen. But look at what Jesus says in this passage. See, Jesus has been telling the disciples, he's actually in Matthew 17, just been transfigured, and then he's talking about his death and, and what's going on. And then he keeps going into this, these teachings, but he gets into this one area where the disciples ask him a question. And I think they ask him a question, maybe not necessarily to find the answer well, but out of pride. Right? Have you ever asked questions out of pride? Not because you're really seeking the truth, but you actually want to ask questions to see how they'll benefit you. So the disciples ask this question. Here it is. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Hey, who is the greatest person in the kingdom of heaven? Or who are the greatest people in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, doing what he normally does, he gives a great object lesson. Right? Have you noticed that? That Jesus will tell stories, he'll tell parables, he'll bring objects into it because he really wants to engage people right where they are. And so Jesus answering, verse 2, it says, In calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, and whenever the Bible says this word truly or verily, what Jesus is getting ready to say is something that you and I need to pay attention to. Like that should be like a 
a word for us that we see in the text that goes like, hey, listen to this very closely. Like what I'm about to tell you is really important. And sometimes Jesus will say, truly, this happens. And if he really wants to get the point across, he says, truly, truly, I tell you these things. That's always for us an indication in the text that this is something that Jesus really wants us to understand. He really wants us to get this next phrase. So all of us, like, our, our spiritual Bible study ears need to perk up. Like, oh, I need to pay attention to this. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. That's a big statement. Unless you become like kids, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's a big statement. That, that is this kind of statement here that would cause us to ask some questions, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that cause you to look at this and go, whoa, what, what does that mean? What, what is Jesus actually saying here? See, because this would be a really like kind of eye-opening statement. Because kids during this time had no social status whatsoever. Like whatsoever. Kids were left to be homeless. Like there, there is this reality where kind of a lot of the services that we have for kids now, they did not exist then because what could kids really offer you? They have nothing to offer. They don't have property. They don't have money. They don't have a job. They really can't do a lot of things. And so kids did not have any social status at this time. And I think the disciples are asking Jesus a question out of pride like, hey, who, who's going to be the best? And they're probably expecting like, well, a Pharisee or a great teacher or a prophet or someone with a lot of money or someone with a lot of status. And Jesus totally turns the script on them and says, if you become like children... And isn't that so true of the kingdom of God so many times? Isn't it for us such an upside-down kingdom? I mean, it really is. It turns everything around that you and I find value in, in the things that we find our worth in, in the way we find our status in this life, is so opposite to the kingdom of God. Because let me tell you why. Our world is built on pride. His kingdom is built on humility. Right? Even the next verse, it's not up there for you. It says this, just even in verse 4, it says this, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus uses the least of these in society to make a point of this is how you enter and become great in the kingdom of heaven. you got to find your inner kid. But see, kids are incredible because they're at the bottom of things. They really don't have agendas. They don't really have a lot to gain. In fact, let me just ask you a question. How many of us followed Jesus because it gave us a lot to gain? Do we follow Jesus just because he's worthy of being followed? Do we follow Jesus because he's worthy of being in relationship with? Or was it solely just to save us in all of these different ways? Listen, you might have come to Jesus in your pride, but you're going to need to accept him in humility and to grow with him, you're going to need humility. 
Isn't that beautiful that even God will accept us when we come to him for the wrong reasons, but we come to him with a genuineness in our heart and he will free us from the thing that is holding so many of us back? Because let me just tell you, salvation in Jesus takes humility. Salvation in Jesus takes us admitting that we can't do it, admitting that we're sinners and that we've fallen short. How many of us have a problem admitting that we're wrong? But the gospel has to shed us of those things so that we can walk forward in the life that God has for us. But let me just tell you why I think Jesus would use such a beautiful analogy of kids. One, because they ask a lot of questions. Because they're walking in humility. They're walking in this way in life to deal with it. But here's what else I think is so important about kids. See, kids come to things with innocent intentions. There's no agendas. They just want to find the truth. They're just trying to figure this out. Kids don't ask you like, hey, what do you do for a living? And if you say I'm a plumber, they're like, ooh, okay, well, okay. <laughs> what can you really offer me? I'll find you when you're a plumber, okay? I don't even have a house. You have nothing for me, right? Or they're like, I'm a doctor. And they're like, oh, you got some Benjamins. Okay, hey, 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 can I get to know you? I have a lot of Legos I want to buy. You could really provide for that need. Kids don't think like that. Have you noticed that? Kids will go up to people with the most innocent of intentions. But you know what else kids are? Kids are loving. And so many of his parents are like, don't love them. Like, hey, slow down. That guy's homeless. That lady's homeless. That person's obviously on drugs. Let's not love them. Let's, let's back away right now. But kids have this ability to love Right? And there's nothing that they need in return. In fact, I, I always walk back to Kids Rock uh, just before service begins. I just want to check on how everyone's doing. So my son Jude, every time I go back there, he runs up to the gate in the nursery, and he just runs up and he says, hey, Dad, I just want a hug and a kiss. Hug and a kiss. That's what he says. Hug and kiss. So like today I gave him a hug, and then he always kisses me on the shoulder while I'm hugging him. And so I was like, and he started to walk away. And I said, hey, man, I want a kiss. And he said, I already did, Dad. I said, no, I want to give you a kiss. And he's like, oh, okay. Right? And he walked over, and I gave him a kiss. But he just wants to love. Like, for us, and they don't love people for what they do. They love people for who they are. I wonder where we lost that along the way. Right? And let me just tell you something. You're not going to ask people a lot of questions if you're finding all of their value in what they do. Not only that, kids lack expectations. Let me just tell you something. Expectations aren't a terrible thing, but I think for a lot of us, our expectations are really out of whack. Our expectations are not where they need to be. They have these set of expectations that are not already built. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to see what this world really should be like. They're developing their expectations. And so they're really, the last thing that they do is they really seek. They're really trying to find out. They're not trying to do something in a way that is bad. See, kids are truth seekers. That's what they're trying to do. They just want to know the truth. They don't have a political agenda that they're trying to align with. They don't even have, like, really, in this case of their life, many of them, a religion that they need to, to do. They don't have a worldview that's developed that needs to be met. They don't have those things. See, a lot of us in our life have lost our inner kid. We've just stopped asking questions. 
Why? Well, because we're worried about the answer. See, we have expectations. And we look at people a lot for what they can do for us. And some of us, we're afraid to ask God some questions because we're afraid that he's not going to do what we want him to do. So we just stop asking. Right? We just, we are worried to ask God a question because we're not sure how he's going to respond. We're, we're worried about it. And so instead of seeking the truth, we're willing to live in a lie. We're willing to live in this area of our life where we don't fully know the truth and we're willing to give that up and just live because I guess the status quo is here and it's okay. How many of us are just willfully living in a lie right now? I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know the truth of this. It might be too much. It might be too hard. But let me just tell you something. That's not the way to live this life. But how many of us, because we've got some life you know, behind us, are not asking God questions because we really think we already know the answers. We already know. So I'm not going to ask. I already know. Right? I've got life. I've got experience. Do you know that you'll never expect a miracle in this world if you already know everything? Why would you see a miracle? Miracles don't happen. You know what's going to happen. Miracles are outside the normal. That's what makes them miraculous. And some of us are missing the miraculous because we don't expect it to happen. We're not even looking for it. See, what happens in this first passage is the disciples actually are asking the wrong question. They're asking a who question and not a what question. They're saying, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus really answers with a what question. Because he says, it's like these kids. So it's not that you and I need to go back in life and become kids and then we'll be great in heaven. It's the posture of our heart. It's the posture of how you and I are going to do things. And so here's the great thing about kids. Kids will keep asking questions until they get to the right one. They'll just keep whittling down, keep finding out. They'll keep working on things so that they can just keep moving forward. They, they just keep asking because let, let me tell you, like, they're just seeking. And we're going to see in this next clip, these kids, there's more kids that kind of jump on the bandwagon. Abigail's a leader. She's recruited people. She says, I met this guy who's changed my life, and you got to meet him. That could be a challenge for some of us. So some of you have met Jesus. You're just not telling anybody about him because your expectations are rejection. And sometimes we're loving ourselves more than we are love others. But take a look at this next clip. I think you'll be encouraged. Or maybe he's the best Buddha who ever lived. Or maybe he's stronger than Sansa. Maybe he's going to be our new teacher at synagogue school. I think he's maybe a new prophet. And he'll show us the word of God. No, there's no new prophets. Rabbi Josiah said so. But maybe he's a murderer. He is not. But maybe that's why he's by himself. He's running and hiding. Yeah, and probably he's pretending to be a Buddha. So no one will That's know. not true. He's building stuff with us. We're watching him do it. Yeah, he's smart, so we should listen. But maybe we're even helping him build weapons and we don't even know it. No, he's a good man. I think so too. I like him. I'm just saying, maybe he's a criminal. But no matter what, we all agree. We don't tell anyone about him, right? See you here tomorrow. Shalom. You see what happened? 
Abigail brings all these kids in, and they just all start asking questions. And they're just trying to figure out who he is. And they go from murderer to prophet, right? They're like all over the place. They're like, well, I don't know who this joker is. He could be a murderer. Did you bring a sword? No. I mean, like, he could be this guy. He's, I mean, he's weird. He's living alone in the woods. Or maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's Elijah. Right? Maybe he's come back. See, what these kids are doing is they're seeking the truth. They're seeking to find out what's going on. So are some of those questions wrong? Yeah. Are some of those questions not, like, for us, like, that's not really a good question. You need to ask better questions. See, some of us stop asking questions because we're so afraid we're going to ask the wrong one. But see, here's the reality that you and I have to find in this life. Great questions lead to great answers. Great questions lead to great answers. And that's exactly what these kids are doing. And some of us in this room are so worried about asking God questions because we might ask the wrong question or we might offend God. We might do something that could kind of be offensive or worry. But did you notice in the first clip, Abigail asked an offensive question. How do you make your money? We're all like, you don't ask that. You don't ask, like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? You don't ask those things. Did Jesus get offended? No. Why? Because he works in a kingdom of humility. And when you are humble, you're unoffendable. And some of us in this place are so afraid to ask God questions because we'll offend him or it's a dumb question. But let me just tell you something. In the kingdom of God, every question is a great question. Because every question can be answered. Did you notice that Jesus, when they asked him in chapter 18, who will be the greatest, he told him what would be the greatest? He didn't say, hey, guys, stupid question. It's not who, it's what. See, they asked the wrong question, but Jesus gave them the right answer. And for so many of us, we're just so afraid of like offending and doing all of these things that we won't ask the questions that need to be asked. So every question is the right question. Every single one. Because Jesus isn't afraid of your questions and he's not afraid of what's going to happen. He's not offended by what you're asking him because it gives him the opportunity to tell you the truth. And I truly believe this. When our expectations are right and our love is right and what we're trying to ask is right and our ideas are right and we're seeking the truth, I firmly, firmly believe that we'll find Jesus because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and all truth in the universe is God's truth. And every piece of truth that we discover, even with wrong intentions, leads us to him. So great questions lead to great answers, and every question to God is a great question. I mean, even look at this. Some of us in our world, we're, we're like wondering what this is like. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11 say this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? Because what are you always going to get with God? The truth. 
Every single time. There is no equivocation or if, ands, or buts about it. Every time you ask God, he's going to give you the truth. The truth might not be what you want to hear, but he'll give it to you. And so, are you in the same place in life? Like, are you asking and seeking? Are you worried? Are you, are you anxious? Are you fearful? Like, maybe some of us are scared to ask the question because of the answer we're going to get or because we already think we know the answer. Or some of us, like, we don't like the circumstance that we're in right now, and we wonder if it's going to be like this forever. Am I always going to feel this way? Am I always going to make this little money? Am I always going to feel distant from you? Am I always going to feel alone? Is my life always going to be like this? And we just don't want to ask it because we're afraid the answer might be yes. It is going to always be like this. But let me just tell you, sometimes like in our world when we're, we're scared of the answer, God is just beginning to prepare us for something. See, some of you are asking God to do something in your life right now, and God hasn't answered your prayer in the way that you want because he knows the answer that you want will crush you. He knows that if some of you are like, God, I promise, if you make me as rich as Jeff Bezos, I will, I promise you, I will fund church plants and missions, and I will feed widows and poor, and I promise you, God, just make me rich. And God's like, no, I know your wicked heart. Your character isn't there. So I'm saying no, because what you'll use that money to do is feed your flesh, and it will consume you, and it will crush you. So I'm going to say no, not because I hate you, but because I love you. And so maybe we need to shift the kind of questions that we're asking. See, instead of asking when, you know, when is this going to happen, God? Why isn't this happening right now, God? You know, what's the time frame, God? Maybe what you need to do is say, what do you need me to know right now? Right? If something is delayed in your life that you feel is a good and holy and godly desire, maybe the question you need to ask is not when. The question you need to ask is, what do you need me to do right now? God, when are you going to bring that special person into my life? Mm-mm. Who do I need to become so that special person in my life receives someone who's a gift? God, when are we going to have kids? We've been trying for so long. What do we need to do right now, Lord? God, when am I going to get that race? Who do I need to become to be the person that the race won't crush me? Right? We, we need to reverse the question. Instead of maybe asking why something is happening, ask God what he wants to do through it. Like how many of you, your pain will always be pain until it finds purpose. And so instead of asking why me, say what's your purpose in this? What do you have for me in this? What good are you going to do through this? Because I know that your word says that all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. So what do you have for me in this? What are you teaching me in this? Because the why, I'm not getting the, it's crushing me. So what do you want me to learn? Who do you want me to become? Maybe instead of asking how something's going to happen, you just need to ask what your next, next step is. See, some of us are so afraid to walk towards what God has for us in this life because we just don't see how it's going to happen. And so we just stop asking. There's no way. No, no, there's, how, how is that going to happen? Instead, what God is saying is, maybe just ask me your next step. 
Maybe there's a path that you don't see. Maybe there's a miracle I want to work that you don't know about. Maybe there's something that I want to do in your life. And so you don't know how yet, but I do. But in order to get to that place, you got to just take your next step of obedience. you got to just take this next step where you're going to move forward. See, great questions equal great answers. But in order to ask great questions, it takes tenacity. you got to get a lot of no's to find the yes. Right? That makes sense, right? What, what, what does God have for me? What does God want me to do in my life? Well, you've got to get to a lot of no's before you get to the yes. There's one yes. There's a lot of no's. But every no closes a door for you and helps you walk towards the thing that God has for you. See, some of us are so afraid of rejection. We're so afraid of feeling like let down and let go. But the reality is, is all God is doing is moving you one step closer to where he wants you. And God might need to let some things die in your life in order to get you where you want to be. In fact, I don't know if many of you know this story. So I, I went to Liberty for a really long time. Um, and I have four degrees from them, actually. Um, well, I'm finishing my fourth. I'm finishing my doctorate. I'm in the writing phase. You can pray for me. But um, when I went into seminary, I thought I might be called to be a doctor. My dad's a doctor. I have like a little bit of a proclivity towards it. I kind of know what that life is like. And so I began to really wonder, should I be a doctor or a pastor? I don't know. And so I began to ask questions. And I was a little worried about it. It means changing. It means going back and doing some things. It means a lot. But the reality is, is I asked my boss who, my boss, I worked for the co-founder of the university. His name's Elmer Towns, and he helped co-found Liberty. And he's a great man of faith, a great man of God. And he, I went to him and said, hey, Dr. Towns, I know that I'm your grad assistant and um, I'm in seminary, but I feel like God might be calling me into the medical field. I've got to go back and do a bunch of prerequisites in my undergrad. I just don't want to have to pay for it. Can you help me? You know, because it's not about, you know, it's kind of like who you know, not what you know. Right? And so Dr. Towns wrote an email to the registrar office and said, I'm giving Blake Harkup a full scholarship to go back to his undergrad to get all prerequisites. I'm asking that any class that he takes in his undergrad is free of charge. I asked. So I went to biology class, and it was awful. I thought, okay, thank you, Lord. This isn't for me. Bye-bye. I want to help people. I want to heal people. I just don't want to do it physically. I want to do it spiritually. So that's why I'm here. Not there. Not over at SMH. I'm here. And SSIS, right? Like, because God's called me. But God graciously allowed me to get to the no. God didn't say, Blake, you're so stupid. Blake, I've just, I've told you so many times I want you to be a pastor, not a doctor. God said, okay, I'm going to let the no happen. I'm going to do it graciously. And you're going to fail. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to you know, feel stupid. You wasted your time. But now you'll know forever. Now you'll know forever. And so this leads us all to the next point. See, great questions equal great answers. The question is, are we open to the answer? See, because the truth is always the great answer. The truth is always what God has for us. The truth is always what's going to move us forward. The problem is, is I think some of us aren't ready for it. We're not open to it. So we just keep asking the same question and getting the same response. And we're just hoping that some way we can ask and will our way into God doing something different. But let me just, can I just ask you, if, you, if we really believe in this room that God is the sovereign Lord of the entire universe, 
who's all-knowing, all-loving, all-good, all of the time, why in the world would you want to change his mind? I'm just asking, like, logically, why would we want to change his mind if we truly believe that he is the sovereign Lord? So instead of asking that, maybe you ask God for help. Would you help me accept this? Would you help me walk towards this? Would you help me walk in this life? And let me tell you something. You're going to experience loss, and some of your expectations aren't going to be met, and some of the things that you hope for in this life aren't going to happen. And I know a lot of churches will tell you differently, and they're lying to you. Because God will give you his good and perfect will, not yours. And I promise you, you might not see it yet, but God's plan for your life is much better than you could ever imagine or hope for. You're going to have to fight for it. There's going to be some hard things along the way. You say, man, why is that? Because his son had to die. I mean, if God is so good and so perfect and so wonderful, think about that. His son had to die. That's how big the problem of sin is. But what is the death of Jesus? The best moment in human history. For it's the moment where God made evil serve evil death. So if God can use that, the worst moment, and make it the best moment to get all of us where we need to be, he can certainly do something with your moment. You just need to ask and be willing. And what did Jesus do in the garden right before he's about to die? Father, if this cup could pass from me, please allow it. But not my will be done but yours. He was willing to accept the good and perfect will of God because he knows what the good and perfect will of God accomplishes. And let me tell you something. In the waiting and in the disappointment, he's preparing you to receive his good and perfect will. He's preparing you for this. And so we just stop asking questions. Why? Because the truth sometimes is just a little bit too hard. Have you stopped asking Jesus questions because you're not open to the truth? Are you really open to the answer? Listen to what John 8, 31 and 32 says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, which is the truth of God, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, some of us, the reason why you're banging your head against the wall right now is because you're not walking in the truth and you're living in a lie. And God graciously isn't going to prosper a lie. He's not going to just let you, as children of God, walk in something that's going to kill you or crush you. He's not going to prosper that. So you've got to wonder sometimes, like, what's going on? See, we said it earlier, the reason why kids are the model is not because they're little or they're the lowest on the totem pole. They're humble. And in humility, you're willing to accept some things. In humility, you're willing to say, not my will be done, but yours. So you're willing to ask, so what's your will? What do you want? What do you want to teach me in this? What do you want to happen in this? And let me just tell you something. The Bible tells us in John 8.32 that when we know the truth, we'll be free. We'll be free. You no longer have to struggle with these things. You no longer have to deal with the doubt. You no longer have to deal with the wonder. You no longer have to deal with the frustration. Now you can act upon the truth. 
And so are there parts of my life that were really hard? Are there parts of my life that are even hard now? Absolutely. I don't make the paycheck of a doctor. But my joy is here. I feel very fulfilled in what we're doing. I feel very fulfilled in what's happening at this church. I feel, we, we baptized another person last night. That's six people in two weeks. I mean, yeah, you can heal their body and prolong their suffering here, or you can help people know God and know who he is, and their soul will find eternal rest and healing in heaven. One is better than the other. So let me just ask you, are you truly open to what Jesus has for you? See, kids are really able to do this because here's what kids do. They don't have expectations. So when kids hear the truth, they're willing to reorient their life around the truth. They're willing to say, oh, that's true. Okay, I got to change the way that I live. I got to change some things in my life. They're willing. Some of us are not willing to ask God what the truth is because we're not willing to reorient our lives around the truth. We're like, that is too much. I, I don't want, I'll have to do this. I'll have to move here. I'll have to sell this. I'll have to like let go of this. No way. I can't, I don't want to reorient it because these are the expectations that I have for my life. So I'm not even going to ask. Well, let me just tell you something. When you're not living in the will of God, it's miserable. It's miserable and you're never going to find peace. See, kids are willing to reorient their life around the truth. Are you? Are you? Are we? I have to ask myself this all of the time. And see, that's what happens in this next clip. It's so powerful what happens in this next clip. Check it out. So what did you do? I tried to walk away, but he wouldn't stop pushing me. So I pushed him so hard he fell down. And that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? But even Torah says eye for eye. Why should I be punished too? Yes, but that is for a judge. You were hardly in a court of law. And you, all of you, are to be special. You are to act differently than others. You tell us to be gentle, but Rabbi Josiah said Messiah would lead us against the Romans, that he would be a great military leader. It is important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. And Rabbi Josiah is a smart man. But many times, smart men lack wisdom. Is there anything in scripture that says Messiah will be a great military leader? There are many things about scripture that you cannot understand yet. And that is okay, that is fine. You have many years ahead of you. And God does not reveal all things at once. But children, what if many of the things that our people think about how we are to behave and how we are to treat one another are wrong? You want things to be fair. When someone wrongs you, you want to right it. And you know who else loves justice? But what does the Lord say in the law of Moses? about justice and vengeance. Vengeance is mine. Yes, very good, very good. Boys, pay attention. She doesn't even go to Torah class, huh? 
The Lord loves justice, but maybe it is not ours to handle. Do you remember when David had the chance to kill King Saul, who was evil to him? But he didn't. Saul was God's anointed, and it was not the right time for justice. And God says he will have compassion on his people when... what? Let's see if someone who studies this at school is learning, huh? When their strength is gone? Yes, very good. So, maybe we let God provide the justice. Hmm? Maybe we handle these things in a different way. Not trying to be the strongest all the time. Even Messiah? You will have to see. But do not expect Messiah to arrive in Jerusalem on a tall horse carrying weapons. And he will be most pleased with those of you who are the peacemakers. Where were you yesterday? I had to stay in town later on. There was a woman who needed my help. Did you bug something for her? No. You remember when I said that I have a job that is bigger than my trade? There is a woman who has had much pain in her life. And she was in trouble. So I helped her. Is she your friend? She is now. And I have chosen her and others, and more soon, to join me in traveling. Do they know you? Not yet. But what if they don't like you? <laughs> Many won't. This is my reason for being here. I still don't understand. What is your reason for being here? I'm telling you this. Because even though you are children, and the elders in your life have lived longer, many times, adults need the faith of children. And if you hold on to this faith, really tightly, someday soon, you will understand all of what I am saying to you. But you ask an important question, Abigail. What is my reason for being here? And the answer is for all of you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah. Isaiah. I have loved spending this time with you. You are all so very special. And I hope that my next students ask the same questions you do and that they listen to my answers. I suspect they do not have the understanding you do. And I hope that when the time comes, they will tell others about me, like you have. Did you notice what happened? Jesus reoriented everything for them. 
He begins to shift their total thinking. You've heard this in the Torah, but this is what I tell you. You have this expectation, but here's what I'm going to tell you. But at the end of that clip, Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. See, great questions lead to great answers, but are you ready for the answer? Because some of us are the people that Jesus came for. We are poor in spirit right now. We are blind and brokenhearted. We are those who are captives. We are those who are in prison and who are bound because we're walking and living in lies because we're not willing to ask questions. And so let's go back to the original question proposed today. Who is the greatest? There is only one great one. His name is Jesus. He is the greatest in heaven, and he forever will be the greatest in heaven. And there will be no one who will overtake him. There will be no one who overcomes his throne. He is the greatest in heaven and on earth. And so he says, though, that it's not a who question, it's a what question. And so will you today humble yourselves just like these kids did? Are you willing to reorient your life around the truth? Because some of us right now, because we're not willing to ask, are captives and blind and bound and oppressed and Jesus came for you and he came for your questions and he came for your oppression and he came for your sin and he came for your shame. Are you just sick of living in it in that way that you're willing to ask him to intervene? Are you willing to ask him right now to to show you the truth, to reveal the truth, to reveal himself to you? Are you at the point where you're willing to let go of what you think is right and willing to accept what he says is right? The only thing that is holding us back is your lack of questions. Is my lack of questions. That's the only thing holding us back because even Jesus says, how do we accept him? We ask him. Would you come into my life? Would you save me? I accept what you have done for me. It's asking. And Jesus promises us that when we ask, It will be answered. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, it will be opened. And so if you ask Jesus today into your life, as the band gets ready to come up, I want us to respond. And the reason we have a song at the end is because for so many of us, the way to respond is to worship, to be sung over, to to hear these things. But here's the reality. The only way we're going to get there is if we're like kids, and that means we have to be humble. We have to walk in humility in this moment. And so let me just ask you one final question. Are you following Jesus in every aspect of your life? Or has pride not allowed you to walk with Jesus in some part of your life? And let me just tell you something. When we don't walk in freedom in one part of our life, it tends to take other parts of our life captive. And so it's real simple. We saw everything that we need to see today in order to follow Jesus. See, we need to ask, and we need to seek, and we need to accept, and then we need to follow. See, some of us need to ask what the truth is, and when we know the truth, we'll be free, and now you can walk and follow in the truth. And so I know that many of us know this. Like, I know that this isn't like some earth-shattering paradigm Bible, like, oh, this is blowing the lid off the whole thing. It's simple truth. Are you following Jesus? And is Jesus Lord over every part of your life? The only way he can be Lord is when you're not, and that takes humility. And so do you trust him? And so as we get ready to respond in this moment, 
let me just ask you, what is God's truth saying to you right now? Like right now, where you are, God is probably through the Holy Spirit bringing something to mind. Maybe some of you, the question you need to ask right now is for Jesus to come into your life. You need to ask Jesus to save you. You need to ask Jesus for the very first time in your life to rescue you in this moment. And the way that we do that is we ask Jesus into our heart. The Bible says that because that's where our will is. And we humble ourselves before him and we admit that we are sinners and that we have not made it the way that we should and we've missed the mark in this life. And that's okay because he already knows it and that's why he came to die for us. That's why he came into this world where we missed the mark, he met it. And so Augustine calls this the great exchange. We give him our sin and he gives us his righteousness and his holiness. And you and I can live in the truth because in humility, we're gonna need him to sustain us in that. And so maybe you've already asked that question, but maybe somewhere in your life, you're functionally an atheist right now. God is not present in part of your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your schooling. Maybe it's what you're looking at online. Maybe it's what you're believing. Maybe it's what you're seeking, but God's not there. And maybe today God is saying, I need you today to let go of this. In humility, let go. I promise I will take care of you. I promise I have you. I need you to trust in me. Thank you for jumping into today's message. And we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you. And please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.